What's up, YouTube? It's your boy again. Come back to another podcast. Um, the hacker, aka Pranav, and Bat are dealing with some personal stuff, so they're gonna be not on this one. So I'm running this solo, uh, solo time. As always, I have the Rhino. I actually have a guest. I don't know if you follow, uh, if you follow us on Instagram. This is one of our guests that we have on the show this week. We have Nub Singh. Um, Nub is a homeboy from college for me. Uh, I treat him like family. He's gonna be one of my groomsmen at my wedding. <laughs> we 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 run deep here. We run deep. Um, so Nub, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, I don't know where to begin. I'm very way too excited. I know we were chit chatting before the show about catching up and stuff. Um, yeah, it's been a long time. <laughs> way too long, brother. But I guess yeah. we'll start off with the first question. What have you doing? Been doing? today how was your day so far pretty easy question right it is but i've actually been really busy <laughs> um, uh, so i um so actually i guess i can tell you everything that i've done which has literally been sitting here the whole day actually because uh, <laughs> i was getting i take tutor uh, like i get tutored in punjabi um because i never really learned how to speak my native tongue when i was young right. um so now i'm getting tutored in it and i do them on the weekends because like that's the time that my tutor has um, and after that, uh, I started doing this uh, this uh, TTRPG, this tabletop role-playing game with some friends online. Um, it's the first time I've ever done something like this. Um, so it's exciting. We're playing, a, it's called Masks. Um, and it's like a superhero, you know, concept. Um, so that, that goes, that's like a two-hour session. Um, <laughs> and then after that, I had a brainstorm creative session with someone collaborating with on some a video idea that we're coming up with. Um, which just ended like five minutes before I hopped on here. So yeah, it's been a busy day. Perfect Good, time. but busy. So, um, so I know the story of why or how you ended up going into communications and into poetry. But for those of you who, who are watching on YouTube or listening wherever podcasts are sold, how, could you explain that for us? Sure. So I actually started college um, majoring in engineering. Uh, I was really into physics in high school. When I took physics in high school, I was really intrigued by it. And I thought, I didn't know what else I wanted to do with my life. So I thought, oh, physics and engineering, I like creating. I thought, you know, it could work. Uh, little did I realize that it involves a lot of math. And I don't like math. <laughs> so, so um, but along with the struggles in classes, I also was going through my own personal struggles and, uh, you know, just dealing with a lot of things and I had no outlet, you know, and then one day bored in my chemistry class, I started uh, writing randomly, like it just this sudden burst of creativity, I just started writing. And, you know, by the end of class, I'd written this like two or three page poem and I was like, what is this? And I just started exploring it more all throughout that summer because I was the spring semester of my freshman year. So all throughout that summer, I started watching videos on YouTube of Def Jam poetry, these spoken word artists. And I started writing more and more. And uh, by the end of the year, I had my first performance, which was in December. And I walked off stage going, this is what I want to do with my life. Uh, so I knew what I wanted to do, but I knew I couldn't major in poetry. Right. Excuse me. So I was trying to find what else I could do. And a friend of mine happened to be part of our college radio station. 
uh, and he invited me on to the show just for, like as a guest for fun because he was he talks about music a lot and like you know metal music and heavy metal and all that stuff which I'm into so I was just a guest and I was chilling talking with him just very casual there was nothing you know no like big formal setup or anything it was very I just really enjoyed the vibe and I thought oh this is really cool like I didn't realize this avenue exists like I knew radio was a thing obviously but I never considered it a possible career path and so uh after exploring what our school had to offer in that field for like the next semester I then decided to switch to um communication arts and then in in our major we have to take the like 101 the foundation courses of every pretty much every media thing so radio journalism tv film all that stuff and when i took my first film course even though i initially went in with the mindset of wanting to pursue radio i realized through film 101 that i wanted to do film like i just love the medium of the visual art and everything and so um, yeah, so I, I graduated with a degree in film and television, and uh, now I currently work in video marketing in this company, but I want to be a screenwriter. Nice. That's, uh, that's interesting. I, I, going off back to what you said earlier about how media isn't really an avenue for a lot of Indians. Like, I mean, like for those of you who are watching, listening, I'm Indian too. I'm South Indian. Nav, Nav is uh, North Indian, Punjabi background. For a lot of Indians and Asians, they're only selected to go to three, maybe four degree uh, career paths. Doctor, lawyer, engineering, business. Yep. That's about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I graduated with a mechanical engineering degree, so I'm kind of the poster child here. <laughs> um, but Nav is obviously the rebel between the two of us. <laughs> well, that's the funny thing is like, especially when I tell people I switch from engineering, there's always that reaction like, oh, like, some people even ask me like, oh, is that what your parents want? I was like, no, I chose that actually, surprisingly. But yeah, it's very common. So when I switched though, there were, a, I never, I don't want to say people ever told me like, don't do it, but there was a lot of hesitancy from my community because yeah, exactly what you said. Like they just believe these career paths are the most stable and secure, which is a fair, you know, thought process, but they're not the only ones. Right. And right. What I've kind of thought about over the years is like our communities consume so much art and so much media, but then they don't want their kids going in that same field that they like love. Like people love Bollywood, but they don't want their kids trying to become an actor. It's very weird. (laughs) Oh man, it's really interesting to have that lack of a better word dichotomy in our culture. Yeah. Yeah. And like you don't hear... um, you know like something I've heard some people in my community say to me when I tell them like oh I'm because I also do poetry like I do poetry as a career so I travel and I perform and I get paid for it um and so sometimes people ask me like oh what are you doing and when I meet up with like relatives or people who know me I'm like oh I'm I'm traveling and performing like I'm doing my poetry and then I've literally had some people go what else I'm like what do you mean what else you don't say that to a doctor do you you say I just came home from a shift oh really what else are you doing like that's not the but there's such a different mentality. Like you can't do this as a full time thing. It's a very common mentality for our yeah. communities to have. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of like you have we do be an engineer, doctor, lawyer, business guy, and then do poetry on the side. But right, this has to, something else has to be the main, putting the square peg into the square hole kind of a thing. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So I mean, I know, like I said before, I'm kind of like the poster child for 
engineers here between the two of us, obviously. So comparing it, your life as a life of a engineering student versus a communication student, which are you happy with the move? Are you not happy? Oh, I am overjoyed that I switched. I would have been miserable. I don't know if you've ever seen the film uh, Three Idiots, the Bollywood film. Three I, Idiots. It's on my list. Okay, so the concept of the film, I'm not going to spoil too much, but the concept of the film is that, well, I'm telling you, <laughs> you don't have to go here, but the concept of the film is these students go to college. It's obviously takes place in India, but they're pursuing these typical or like these expected careers from our community. And they even, one of the, the main characters who's one of the friends of Amir Khan, who's the main character, he's like not happy with it. Like it's just, it's, it actually explores like, that whole element of there are people who pursue these careers even though they're absolutely miserable doing them there's nothing wrong with doing them but if you don't want to do them and it makes you miserable my do suggestion it. is don't do it yeah. yeah so that's what i realized when i discovered poetry is i don't want to do engineering i don't want to do math in any regard <laughs> um and i love creating and i love that that those elements of creativity and of art and so you know um the, the difference in just like my stress of school, just in that alone was huge. Um, right. Partially because the majors themselves, like, you know, with my major, it was more about projects. It wasn't tests and, you know, reports and papers as much. It was, you make a film. Like that's what the film class is about. They don't, they're not gonna sit there and lecture you about film. They're gonna say, here's what film elements are. Now go use them and try to make a film um versus engineering is so much just like through the book to figure, yeah. out, figure out the derivative of the rocket flowing through space kind of thing and it's just like read the textbook and then like understand what it's saying to you um which also doesn't make sense anyway i feel because like engineering also requires a lot of things to be done like it's not just something you sit and analyze like you that's part of it but you need to do stuff you need to create you need to build um but in classes it's just it's just like oh just you know read this understand it and at least in the classes that i took maybe in later classes and like higher classes you know junior senior year it's different but in all in all my classes it's way more like theory based or just like you know um information based and um yeah just the other major even the classes that I wasn't like pursuing so taking radio or taking advertising and PR like those were fun too because there are elements of you know especially nowadays with social media and everything being able to advertise and market your content is almost if not more important than yeah. creating the content um you know we've all seen videos that are I guess subject even though it's subjective that we all would most people would agree are like bad or like not great content but that have so many views or so much attention, you know? Um, so marketing is huge and advertising is huge. And so in those classes, same thing, like make an advertising campaign. It's a six weeks, make an advertising campaign for a six week, you know, period, um, which is just really interesting to me. Very nice. Um, so here's my thing. What have you been doing since get, officially getting your communications in film or whatever the exact verbiage is here mm -hmm. so a lot actually um actually when i graduated from college i had gotten essentially like a freelance slash contract position with 
NYIT, um, where uh, I was creating like promotional video content for student activities. I'm, I'm gonna pause you right there and mm. quote Michael Scott, oh, how the turn tables. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, no, it's fine. Um, and so, yeah, like, cause you know, I was very involved with student activities and all that. And so upon graduation, I was just like, hey, like, you know, it'd be good to have media content to help you like promote within the community or, you know, promote to others, you know, to prospective students and things like that. So they're like, one of the people, one of the advisors who I was, you know, I had good relationship with was like, do, do you want to do it? And I was like, yeah, sure. Are you going to pay me? They're like, absolutely. I was like, yeah, I'll do it. So for a while I was doing that. And then I was working, um, you know, doing a videography and video editing for a company that would do like birthdays and weddings and that kind of stuff. Um, so that was interesting. I worked at Best Buy for a little bit. That was not related to my degree at all, but like I needed a job because the one thing, the one truth is it is, you know, there is more security in those other fields that we mentioned. There just is. I mean, I have no problem admitting that, but, um, so in the, in the time that I didn't have a job in my field, I was just working at Best Buy making money. Um, but in 2016, I started traveling and performing and like getting paid to do it. I'd been performing since 2011, but 2016 is when I had my first paid gigs and I actually went to Texas, Tennessee, and Louisiana to do shows at five different colleges. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you want more, but like. (laughs) Here I thought this would take like 45 minutes. I'm sorry. Um, But uh, for those of you who don't know, I actually used to live in Memphis, Tennessee for three months back in 2016. Um, You can actually find that old vlog stuff back when I first started my first channel, like back when back then but anyways yeah that was a fun time uh nice yeah so where oh, i forgot all the questions great um uh so, going back to what you said towards the beginning you were now picking up punjabi which is your mother tongue correct mm-hmm. yep why because i know i like i know why because i saw the instagram post but for those right. of us who don't yeah. know why okay well, it's the same reason that like uh, I started having people pronounce my name correctly, <laughs> um, which is so I'm sure many South Asian kids can relate to. But um, yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like and just this is a tangent, but people would always call me Nav in school from like high school onwards, actually even middle school yeah. onwards. Yeah, one of them was me. <laughs> it's fine. Talk. I never corrected anybody. I never told anybody to call me Nav, which is the proper pronunciation. But um, back in 2017, I had went to India uh, to, for a cousin's wedding. And on, then obviously you visit family while you're there. And uh, 2017 was a 70 year anniversary of the partition where yeah. India became India and Pakistan for those who don't know. Um, and so, and yeah, yeah, sorry. Yes, <laughs> I- India got separated into many pieces. Yeah. Um, but uh, my, my uh, grandfather, my Nanaji, as it's said in Punjabi, he was featured on BBC Hindi um, oh, and they just like yeah they just like interviewed him and talked to him about like you know just like his experience I guess because he was around when partition he's over 90 years old he was okay. around when partition happened um, and seeing that before I went to India that year something about in my head just made me think more about my culture my roots and so when I finally went to India I sat down with him one day and I just had him tell me his whole journey after partition like where did he go where did he move to what his family do everything and i have it all recorded on my phone in a notes um like a voice note 
And sitting there listening to him explain it was just this moment of realization that I'm like, I just felt like I was disrespecting my culture and my, my family by not even getting people to say my name right. Like they go through all this struggle and all this journey and people can't even say nov. It's not hard, you know? Um, and how this pertains to me picking up Punjabi or being tutored in Punjabi is, is the same idea. It's just like the next step in me, like further connecting to my roots because, you know, mm. um, not only do I want to be able to talk to my relatives in India more, but I want to write poems in Punjabi. I think that would be really cool um, so that they can listen and that other people can listen and that I can really express my, my culture in that way. And so, uh, yeah, it was just a matter of like, I'd wanted to do it for a long time. First, I tried to learn through my parents, but like, they don't have formal education. They just grew up with the language. So they don't, right. you know, think about the, the ins and outs. They don't think about the grammar stuff. So sometimes when I ask them questions, they're like, huh, I don't know why it is. I just, that's the way it is. But like, yeah. so, and they don't have the time. We don't have the, always have the time to talk in, in that way, right? We're all working, we're all busy. So finally, you know, not doing nothing else during the pandemic either. So I was like, it's, it's better, like, might as well do it now. I've waited this long. And so, like, I think in December, I want to say. So it's only been, like, three, four months I've been getting tutored. Um, but, like, already I feel way more comfortable. I talk to my parents in Punjabi more now. Not completely, but I feel way more comfortable doing it. Whereas, like, last year if I tried to it was very like timid I was so uncomfortable with the words coming out of my mouth right um versus now I'm just like there's still some uncertainty with certain words but general conversation I can carry you know right like I understand what you're saying like I I my, like I said before I'm South Indian like my parents are from Tamil Nadu uh which is basically the India side of the straight between India and Sri Lanka and growing up I like you I grew up I was born brought up here in, uh, in California, um, unable to grow up with the language because my, like your parents, my parents just grew up with the language. So, and I don't know if this part can't, uh, applies to you or not, but my, a lot of my relatives only speak Tamil. Mm. And I'm not, and my, obviously my English is better than my Tamil. So it's like, hey, let me at least learn to at least communicate with some of my family members who may not speak English. If that makes any sense. Right. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Exactly. It's the same thing. Is you know they only speak Punjabi and like they weren't here obviously, so I couldn't even be around them to like pick it up while I was young, you know. Right. And then my parents, especially because we lived and maybe it's the same for you, we lived in a very non-South Asian neighborhood. There weren't yeah. many South Asians or Punjabis or anybody around, so it was it was just a matter of. This is, I'm around English all the time, so I'm going to speak English all the time, kind of thing. Yeah, I, I grew up in La Crescenta, California. That's where I was born and raised. And that's a very uh, non Asian community. <laughs> right. Very uh, politely. Um, so it's pretty interesting for that. Um, if you don't mind me asking, I, like you said earlier, your grandparent, grandfather grew up before and after the partition. If you don't mind me asking, how was that experience? Because a lot of us, a lot of, me, a lot of Indians may have not experienced that or may not have relatives who have experienced that. Right. Um, I have to genuinely listen to the voice note again because like it was so much information that day. Right. Um, I didn't retain a whole like, it, I think it's like an hour long recording. Um, like, yeah. it, it, 
Yeah, yeah. I literally just sat there and like very few interruptions. I maybe asked a question here or there just to get like a bit more clarification. But and again, at that like, I don't know if it's the same with you, but people who live in India and live in Punjab and speak Punjabi speak it different than like sometimes people who speak it here. Yeah. It's like, or just depending on the certain the area, sometimes it's just different areas have different like village, like people who are from like the villages or like, you know, more rural areas have like a, a rougher Punjabi. And it's like still hard for me to understand even if we share the language. Um, so like, I couldn't really tell you too much because I don't remember it that well because it was a lot to retain. Um, but it was a lot. Like, I just remember he, they'd moved several times and like, there was a lot. He had, I think he has like five, six siblings as well. So it's not just like, yeah, yeah my, my, my families are big. Like my uh, grandmother. All, all was Indian like, families are big. <laughs> yeah. 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 We, um, when we went to India that time, my mom decided to get together with like all her cousins and like, obviously their families, their kids and everything. It was like almost 50 people, just our, our like my mom's cousins. Sounds about right. Like, Sounds about right. <laughs> it was all like a party in and of itself. It was great. That's why you have to go to the family reunions to make sure you don't actually hit on your cousins or someone. <laughs> so, but yeah, like it's interesting like to hear like someone, like, I don't want to say someone else, but like someone else's family going through the partition because like, as far as I know, my family didn't go through the partition. I could be absolutely wrong about that, but as far as I know, they haven't. <sighs> but yeah, here we are. It's a, yeah, it's a, there's not a lot of discussion or even com like education about the partition here in the West, which is very frustrating because like people just, I think all they know is that they, they became separate countries and that's like the extent they don't realize like all the actual like issues that the, came out yeah, the issues and the harm like the physical violence and everything that occurred during yeah. and then all the issues that exist post and yeah. i think that lets people kind of just you know brush it off and like just not think about it much um yeah. so yeah it's very yeah, like there's still issues going on today between pakistan and india and maybe even between india pakistan and bangladesh but at least more yeah. so with India and Pakistan, there's like a lot of stuff just going on with, between the two countries, which is bull in my opinion. But then again, I'm more of an outsider looking in. Yeah, there's a lot. Um, it's I don't even fully grasp it, obviously, because I don't I wasn't born and raised there. Exactly. Um, and they get very defensive. If you say anything about either place, is very defensive people from there. Like as someone who Again, I wasn't born and raised in Punjab, but like I have a connection to my my land, my homeland. And so if I critique my homeland, there are people who live there in India who will be like, well, you're uh, what they call an NRI, a non-resident Indian. And so like your opinion doesn't matter. Like I get told that whenever I talk about India and it's... I, I, get, I get called a coconut. Yeah. Which for those of you who are who don't understand, it means brown on the outside, white on the inside. <laughs> yeah, it's a, I've gotten called that too by like, but I've been called that by people here, right? I get called yeah. a, I get told my opinion on India doesn't matter by people in India yeah. because I don't live there. So they say I can't, you know, have an opinion on my homeland, which I get to an extent because obviously I don't know the, all the inner workings, but like, it's still my family lives there. I'm from there. Like I, ha I have a connection but they yeah. just dismiss it as like, oh, I'm a Western Indian, so screw you. Like, it's very weird. You have no right. 
<laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Um, going on to more of a serious topic. Um, I know a lot of Sikhs post 9-11 have been harassed because of, and I do apologize for what I'm about to say, the turban. Um, how has that affected your life? Like, I know, like, I'm, obviously I'm brown, no, no surprise there. And my experience is as a fellow brown guy is different from a lot of other people. So that's my question. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I mean, my experience has been um, complex, I guess to say the least, you know, the first time I ever dealt with anything related to like racism or prejudice because of, you know, my faith, especially because of 9-11 was uh, in 2002. So it was the year after 9-11. I was just like walking back from lunch or gym. I don't remember what it was. I was in fifth grade, just walking back. And this classmate of mine just says, why don't you take that bomb off your head? Oh, yeah. That's not good. Yeah. And nothing happened. I don't know if the, there was, I don't remember if the teacher was there or not. I don't know what happened. Like it, nothing happened to him, obviously, but it was a very weird experience. Cause like I'm 10 years old. What do I know about planes and bombs? And like, I, I can't even drive. Why would I be able to fly? Like, it was just like a weird thing, but it, it was the first time I really, you know, um, recognized that people look at me different because of this, because of, you know, my turban and because of my skin color um and then you know for i hate saying this but fortunately i've only really dealt with like verbal harassment i've never been physically assaulted um personally but like my community has been plenty um there's so many instances of um hate crimes and like even recently actually there have been instances um that have been happening you know in this year um it's been yeah it's it's it, it was a challenge when I was younger because I wasn't comfortable in my identity. Um, you know, like, even though I've never cut my hair, which is one of the tenets of the Sikh faith. And even though I've always had a turban, like when I was younger, even in college up to a certain extent, I wasn't really like following the faith. I wouldn't have really said like, oh, I'm this, you know, person of faith. I don't like using the word religious anyway. So that's why I'm not using that word. But like, I wouldn't say like, oh yeah, I'm, I would tell people I'm a Sikh, but I, I didn't really truly adhere to it or believe it kind of thing. Um, so when I was young, sorry. Uh, I was just going to say, would it be fair for me to call you a non-practicing sick? At the time, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I, I kept the, you know, articles of faith and I would call myself it, but I wasn't really practicing it. Yeah. Um, but uh, actually through my poetry, I became way more interested and in, had a deeper desire to connect to my faith which is which is what has brought me to where i am now where i'm very into my faith and i practice it not perfectly i mean who really does um but i'm way more invested in adhering to the principles and living a life by the tenets of the sick faith and so now the comments and those things don't really bother me anyway because i'm just so uh assured in my faith um, the only concern I ever have is it impacting other people, but like, uh, I create content on Instagram and TikTok, and I do get quite a bit of racism on there. Um, not Instagram as much because Instagram is mostly people who follow you, but like TikTok, your videos can reach anybody. 
Um, And sometimes they reach the wrong side of TikTok. (laughs) Um, I've actually shared comments I've gotten on like Instagram. I shared, I made a post sharing comments I've gotten on my TikTok videos. Um, Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, they're uh, they're colorful. Yeah, (laughs) Um, it's a lot of it's a lot of hate, and for no reason too. Like I've done nothing in those videos that warrant it. It's usually just me talking about my faith. But someone feels compelled to like look at this and say something because they think a certain way. Um, and so it's been very interesting being that visible, not only like with my identity, but on a platform where uh, I now have over 100,000 followers, uh, which is weird. <laughs> um, but, you know, then it just brings about the more visibility, the more you can get shown to people. But that means also you can get more hate. Um, but to quote to quote legendary Tupac, uh, at my adversaries be play a hand. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I know that you know what I'm doing is because I'm never imposing my faith on someone, right? I'm never telling someone, hey, you should follow this or you need to believe this. I'm just sharing what I believe, and so it's very interesting and I feel like kind of telling that people respond with just hate. <laughs> it's just like okay, so there's something that you're struggling with personally that you decide to project onto me, I guess. I don't know. Um, It's strange. Uh, But yeah, like I said, it doesn't bother me as much anymore. Um, Sometimes if a video goes like, I've had a few videos go viral, which I hate saying anyway, but like I've had them get a lot of attention. And then like, if I get a slew of comments like that, then it's some, some sorts to like bug me. But like once in a while, I'm just like, I, I laugh because I mean, you can be bold behind a screen as much as you want. You know, I don't really worry what you have to say to me, um, especially when I said nothing of of like hate or of disgust or any reason to be upset at me. You just have this, not you obviously, but the people who comment have this image and this preconceived notion of of my look, of my identity and decide that they want to be hateful and I learned a long time ago that carrying hate in your heart is literally the wor- the biggest waste of energy. Yeah, Straight up, you. there's nothing more wasteful than just being hateful. <laughs> What's the, uh, I, I think this was from Star Wars, but hate breeds anger that breeds something else. Yeah, yeah like it was, yeah. Uh, episode one, Phantom Menace, for what Yoda it's, it's, was talking about it. It's, I'm pretty sure it's, I could be butchering it, but I'm pretty sure it's fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, hate leads to the dark side. There might yeah. be one more step in there, but like that's pretty much the journey. Yeah. Um, and, that, and that's true. Think about it. those people have a fear of this look, uh, not of me even because they don't know me. They just have a fear of this image and that makes them angry because they're afraid of it. And then that anger leads to them being hateful of it. And then that leads to, you know, not only the problem is when it extends beyond just them being hateful, like you know, verbally, like that's, I mean, obviously they shouldn't be hateful verbally, but that's one thing when it gets to the point of physical, you know, violence, that's where I really like, uh, that's where it really becomes a serious issue. Yeah. I, sorry. I just Googled it. There is one more step in there. It is, uh, here's, I'm scared of looking at quoting this from Yoda. Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Suffering. I knew it. Yeah, I knew ah. it was like suffering or something there too. So. Yeah, and suffering is, yep. Uh, 
which is, I love true. Yoda. Yeah. Which is unfortunately true in today's society. Like, if you think about it. Yeah. And the problem with that is the, the hate and that leads to suffering isn't just the suffering of that individual. It's a, to other people because you yeah. tend to spread that hate to other people. And so, yeah, it's... Uh, um, yeah, but for me personally, like my faith is what really, it's like a shield, you know, for me, like I, I, I truly wholeheartedly believe in my faith and my, I have such a comfort in my, in my sick identity that mm. people's hate doesn't really, I'm not, again, I'm not going to say it never phases me, but it's not something that I dwell on too much. Right. Has your religious background affected your poetry in any way? A hundred percent. And vice versa, um, like my poetry has um, affected my my religion uh, or my faith because I started writing at a point where I wasn't really practicing, right? Um, and writing about, I started writing about a lot of my experiences with my faith and how I felt like not only did I feel disconnected, but I felt like my community wasn't supportive or you know um, adhering to these principles and these kinds of things, you know, that was a big reason why I distanced myself in the first place, because it's easy to say like, hey, let's all be good people and love each other. But then when you see in practice, people are not doing that, you start to wonder what's going on here. Like you're telling me all this stuff, but you're not behaving in that way. And then my thing was, and I feel like a lot of people do this, is they put it all on the, the religion when it's just like, it's the people um, and I get it. Yes, the people represent the faith. They represent the, the community. But the principles, at least like in Sikhi, don't change just because someone is being hateful, right? Like what my scripture says about showing compassion and love to all doesn't change just because someone in my community is not adhering to that. Right. So I had to come to that realization that what I focus on is the principles and the ideals of my faith and not so much worry about how not that I shouldn't worry how people are representing it because that's important because they can make it look bad but not let my belief in my faith hinge on how people are practicing theirs or failing to practice theirs in some cases okay that makes um, sense but yeah so anyway like I wasn't into my poetry oh I'm sorry um having those experiences of of these this hypocrisy and all these different things were ideas I was writing about in my poetry. Um, and eventually, as I started to connect more and more to my faith, the more I would write about that connection and the, the spiritual journey that I'm on and, and the ability to feel the presence of the divine and the light in the world, um, which is all entangled in my faith. And that would come out in my poetry. And I have so many poems about my faith. Nice. Uh, I don't mean to put you on the spot now, but would it be okay for you to share one of your poems? Sure. Does it have to be about my faith or can it be anything? It could be about anything. Okay. Um, I just have Do to it. think in a really quick second. I don't, I wasn't ready. So I just need to pick a poem. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Just, uh, just spit them bars. Um, I'll do this one that I do. It's a, I open up with this poem pretty much every show that I do. Cause I just feel like it, thoroughly encapsulates uh, who I am and as the title of the poem is what I'm about. And so here we go. 
First gen American six citizen. I gotta step up now. I can't be saying in. Can't be quitting when there's so much to be done. Been writing for so long that the journey's just begun. Many battles to be won till we're shining like the sun to make a world that's better for our daughters and our sons. So while y'all are having fun, I'll be on the run, chasing my dreams till I make it to the top. God's given the green light, so I'm never gonna stop. Keep climbing up the ladder while the rest of them drop. And with every ink blot, I am taking my spot and making my shot. Not waiting like the rest. Call me the best or just blessed. Either way, you can't mess. Cause it's homegrown success already planted the seed. So the microphone in hand is all I ever need. For writing is my passion. It's the reason that I breed to make ways for change. It's the reason that I dream and justice is my goal. It's the reason that I bleed. Hey, I know no one's clapping here, but remember there's a thousand of us clapping behind you. Thank but you. Um, cool, first of all, thank you for sharing that poem with us. Uh, also, here's my question. If someone were in your situation in college that is in doing something that they don't like, like engineering or lawyer, pre-med, whatever you want to call it, and wants to go into poetry or something along the lines you're going through, how would you do it? Or what advice would you give, brother? Um, I mean, I definitely figure out, you know, I guess you won't know for sure, but figure out if this is something you are genuinely, genuinely interested in and can see yourself doing as a career, right? Because like that choice to pursue something as a career, obviously you can change it. It's not like you can never change careers, but if you're going to invest the time and the money, then it's it's almost like, well, why would I just suddenly do something else? Um, I mean, people do it all the time, to be fair. But um, if it's something you're thinking about where like you don't want to do one major one field and you want to look into something else is like really explore it um uh my this comes to an issue with the education system more so than <laughs> anything but um um yeah it's just about exploring it like the beauty of um any like art field at least is there's ways to explore it without like committing in terms of like excuse me your major you know you can go to a film festivals or you can go to open mics for performance arts you can go to theater performances and or be part of them um because the other thing is one thing that i didn't realize um is the variety of jobs like it's not just about being the actor or being the the radio show host or being the director like there's writers there's right. costume designers there's you know set designers there's uh, casting directors there's so many different fields those are just a few there's so many different areas within film production or radio production that you can do one of those things you don't have to be the spotlight because not everybody likes that and it's not for everyone um so like really explore the breadth of those fields uh because for instance i love video editing um even though i love performing I, I don't want to actually be an actor anyway, so it's fine. I want to be a screenwriter and a video editor. Like those are my two, you know, um, pursuits for video, for film or television, really. Um, right. But I think a lot of times we get caught up in just like, oh, I'm going to be an actor. But if you're not interested in being an actor, you don't have to then just not pursue that industry. There's so many different things you can do. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing is understanding what options there are because you might be a great storyteller so we might need you as a writer um i believe people's voice deserves to be heard and so um especially when it's like our community when we don't have enough of our voices out there yeah. i definitely think more of us need to be writers and be the ones um you know helping to tell our stories because 
like I could be put on screen, right? Let's just say for some reason, someone wanted me to be in this movie. That's cool. But if the people writing the story have no idea about my faith and my community, it's not going to be a good story. It's just, they're going to totally butcher it. Um, They need to know something. So it's either they educate themselves, which I can't guarantee they will, or someone from the community is writing and telling the story. That's the best way. And kind of going off of that, like, if if they're doing like self education, they may not do a good job in self education. Right. And yeah, for sure. Yeah, going off of what you said earlier, it's like there's a, not a huge representation in like the Western media, like especially for like Asian, South Asian, like I mean communities. Like there might be like one or two actors, like um, Jet Li or Jackie Chan. But what roles do we play? Especially us in, like Indians, we play the doctor, the, the cab driver, the stereotypical like a stereotypical stereotypical jobs. It's like so it's like it kind of makes us feel like we are just emotional less robots that do something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. So I mean, it's really cool to see um, a fellow Asian in the Shang. Oh, what's that? Oh, uh, Shang Chi. Yeah. Thank you, Shang Chi and Ten Rings. I was like, "What is that name? That Marvel movie that's coming out there?" Yep, yep. Simu Liu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's awesome. I'm hyped. And also, um, they're coming out with Miss Marvel, the TV show yeah. on Disney Plus. She's a Pakistani American, Muslim <laughs> Pakistani American. Like, and that's the other thing. Like, a lot of people when they think South Asian, they just think of India. But like, South Asian yeah. is is so many more other countries too. So like, yeah. that yeah. diversity of that even. Yeah, even with the word Daisy, that's Daisy. The word Daisy kind of seems like only India, but it's also like Bengalis, Pakistanis, the Myanmar, Burmese, whatever what, what the right word is. Nepalese and Bhutanese possibly could be added in that mix. Mm-hmm. Oh man, that was... yeah. Sorry, I, can, I can just do a rant right now. I don't want to. Dude, trust me. I mean, a lot of videos I make on TikTok are talking about representation and South Asian stereotypes. Like you mentioned a couple of them, like. But the biggest one for me is like the convenience store owner with the accent. And it's like, like yeah. And it's like, why is that those few things, those few categories, and they always have an accent. Like, it's just, <laughs> we're in like second and third generation South Asians now in the US. Like we can, um, we can, most people don't, you and I do not have a Indian accent, yeah. you know, like. <laughs> So if I were to go on TV for some reason and they told me to do an accent as a character, unless it made sense where like we're in India, I would be like, why am I doing this? There's no need. You, And people will say like, like uh, Baljeet is a controversial example from Phineas and Ferb because yeah. people are like, oh, well, like he was born in India. And it's like, yeah, but the, the writers wrote it that way. Just don't write him from, like, don't write him being born in India. Write yeah. him being born in the U.S. And he won't have an accent. Yeah, or, any other, or any other Western country because we're literally everywhere. Right, yeah, exactly. Just have him born in the West and you'll pro- he can still be Indian. He can still have some of the, you know, other traits that Indians commonly have, like, whatever. Even though I don't like those either, where it's like parents are always strict. They're always focused on grades and this and that. But, like, that can still exist without the accent. Like if we can start with just getting people away from like kids born in the U.S. or like kids kid characters having an accent, that right. would be a huge step in my opinion. Right. <laughs> I get the parents having accents. That yeah. that makes sense, right? But like 
a kid in the U.S. does not need to have an accent. Just write them that they were born in the West. Yeah. <laughs> a really yeah. simple fix that requires no change to the story or the character. Yeah, literally. I, I was talking to my, uh, my parents a little while ago, um, saying that my dad was complaining about how, why are there so many Indians in the world? I'm just like, bruh, there's probably... There's a probably good reason behind it, which are very adult themed, and <laughs> where um, yeah. there's probably an Indian restaurant in the middle of Antarctica run by a North Indian. Just saying, <laughs> probably literally everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just talked about it earlier, like our families are huge. Well, yeah. well that's why there's so many. <laughs> literally, like um, you were saying earlier, like your grandparents had like five or six kids. Same thing with my grandparents. My grandmother's the oldest of like six or seven. My grandfather, right. my, my maternal my maternal grandpa is like one of like I think like six or seven. My dad's side is like my grandfather is like one of like eight or nine, which is like we have first of all, like here in the West, I grew up with like as you are uh I grew up here in the West, and it's like having more than three kids is like a lot. <laughs> just saying. Yeah. yeah. So I'm it's just like, like Eight kids, nine kids. How the hell do you have the money to feed them, let alone do anything else? Yeah. Yep. It's uh, it's wild. It's wild. Hell. <laughs> hell. My, my funny that they're bringing it up is that uh, my parents are trying to get me married off now. Uh, that married marriage gap is coming to us. Like, bruh, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I get it. <sighs> Well, this was a fun conversation, man. Just th again, thank you for being on the podcast. Um, I guess we'll end it here, man. Yeah, this works. Uh, I think this is, you know. Just one last question. Yeah. Where can people find you? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, Nav, N-A-V, the poet on TikTok, Instagram. Technically, I have a Twitter, but I don't really use it. So if you want to, you can follow me there. But um, And then... Uh, I actually have a spoken word album out on all major streaming platforms. So Apple, Spotify, iTunes, Pandora, if Amazon. You me, if you send me that link, I'll put it in the description box on YouTube. Yeah, for sure. Um, do you just need one or multiple ones? I usually send Spotify because it's just like. I, I, as many as you are feeling comfortable with. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe put okay, it that yeah. way. Um, also, I'll, find, I'll put your Instagram and your TikTok stuff here on the description box down below on YouTube and yeah, like I said, you can follow me on Instagram at FirehawkArcher1. Uh, on my two other YouTube channels, Firehawk1, FirehawkArcher1 and 2. Uh, he has two different channels for that. Uh, you can follow the Instagram on at, at the Rhino and the Bat podcast on Instagram. We don't have a TikTok on any platforms yet. But you can also follow the same on Twitter. I personally have a Twitter that I'm sort of active on, uh, FirehawkArcher1. Very easy, very clean. As always, have a good one. See you in the next episode. Peace.